Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Burning Life Youth Podcast, the podcast aimed at the youth by the youth. I am your hostess, Gabby Sikora, but today I am not alone. I am joined by fellow Burning Life ambassador and my partner actually, Luca Tomlinson. And we had planned to come to you live from the Antares Bush Camp, but more specifically, the Umgede Underground Hide in the Great Kruger. But unfortunately, due to technical issues, that wasn't possible. So, but firstly, let's continue and let Luca introduce himself. Okay, hello everyone. For those that don't know me, my name is Luca Tomlinson. And as Gabby said, I'm a proud ambassador for The Burning Life. But also, I'm privileged enough to co-host a special podcast edition in conjunction with Gabby. Now, some of you may have followed our trip to Antares on the Birding Life's Instagram page. But for those listeners that aren't aware, Antares Bush Camp and Umgede Underground Hide is located in the Hriki Private Nature Reserve, which is about a 3,000 hectare reserve that falls part of the Belule Nature Reserve and Greater Kruger. So, of course, the animals are free to roam between there and the Kruger. Gabby and I were very privileged to be able to visit the special place a few days ago. And let me just say that we had an absolutely amazing experience. The problem is, though, is that because we had such an amazing experience, we have so much to talk about. And so you'll have to keep a lookout for the future podcast where we chat about our experience. But for this podcast, we thought we'd just give everyone a bit of background about Antares. So today on the podcast, we have Ian Outra, the owner of Ontario's Bush Camp and a highly qualified wildlife expert who has kindly agreed to join us to tell us a little bit more about Ontario's Bush Camp and Ngedi Hyde. So welcome, Ian, and thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Gabby and Luca. Um, it was a real pleasure hosting you guys last weekend. Uh, I had an absolute ball uh, talking to you and um, very inspired by what you two youngsters have, have achieved so far and, and what you perceived or uh, like to get up to. It's it's a, it's a great inspiration to everybody. Um, so Antares, is, it started off uh, about 23 years ago as a guide training uh, center uh, and it was something I'd always dreamed of uh, my whole career has been uh, in conservation and tourism along those lines and so we started off doing that but uh, about five years ago six years ago uh, my wife and I decided we we wanted to change direction and a friend of ours was visiting us one day and he looked down at our water hole and he said your water hole is crying out for an underground hide and it planted a seed and from that we we then began planning of how we were going to do this and i have to admit it's a decision that neither of us have regretted and uh, you know the uh, the proof is in the pudding if you come and sit in the hide like you guys did and yeah you can see what it what it all all surmounts to watching elephants from ground level etc yeah i know you're right and it's definitely very inspiring when you know you have a vision and then it all comes to fruition. So, am I correct in saying that the Hiki Nature Reserve is a big five reserve open to the Kruger National Park? And if so, what wildlife can guests typically expect to see at Ontario's and the surrounding areas? And are there any specific species that are particularly common or even rare and particularly at the hide? Yeah, so you're 100% correct. Um, Kriki 
had its humble beginnings as agricultural smallholdings. Uh, so when I arrived here 23 years ago, we still had a few domestic stock like cows and goats and stuff moving around. Uh, but there were a few visionary uh, owners who said, no, we need to change conservation. And so it changed from that. And in fact, in the last few years, we've actually uh, dropped fences with all our neighbors and, and we are completely open to Kruger National Park now. And uh, as such, we, we can get virtually anything that you would expect to find in the Kruger. I mean, there's a few species that you wouldn't expect to find here, things like roan antelope and uh, hartebeest and, and stuff like that. Um, but for the, for the majority of, of species, yeah, sure, you can expect to find them here. I think, obviously, what we've become very well known for in the last three years that we've been open since we opened the hide is elephants. Um, in January, I was experiencing on occasion up to 150 elephants a day in front of the hide, uh, which was absolutely phenomenal. And, and, you know, obviously, we have days when you know, it's very quiet and, and nothing comes around, particularly in February, for instance, we had a whole lot of rain and uh, there was water to be found anywhere. So the, the animals spread out a little bit. As far as rare species, um, yeah, there's, uh, I've had a couple of sable turned up, um, but it was only on a, on a single occasion. I dare say there's animals such as aardvark and brown hyena on the reserve, but I'm still waiting to see those come, come to the waterhole. It would be rather special. And I think, you know, um, certainly, uh, you know, the the attraction of of the water is uh, specific for those elephants, but also things like impala, giraffe, and, and various other things. It's it's very difficult to to try and draw uh, some sort of idea of what what would be the best species to look for. But I, I think that's coming next. Yeah, no, like you say, because it is open to the Kruger. Um, it's not like those some other reserves that you know sightings can be a bit predictable. But since it's open to the Kruger, you can you never know what could turn up at any moment. You know. Um, but like you said, the elephant sightings were absolutely incredible but we will talk about that in the future podcast but as we were sitting in the hide you know you always think about when there's when it's a bit quiet you always think about how much potential it has and you're thinking oh imagine a leopard walks there imagine a lion comes and sat there and looked and could have got these photos so i'm sure all the listeners will be interested um to find out what has been your best or perhaps favorite sighting from the hide well, I mean, it's really difficult to answer that in, in all honesty because I get excited by, by each and every sighting that comes in. You know, it is, it's a lot of people ask me, you know, do you get blase? Do you get complacent by it? And I'd be a liar if I said no. Um, but, you know, every single elephant sighting is special. You start watching the behavior, you start watching the antics between individuals and things like that. But I think, to be perfectly honest, I had a couple of leopard sightings um, and they really, really are special. I mean, a leopard sighting special no matter where you see it. When you're sitting in a hide here and you look across the water, it's 10 meters away where this leopard is sitting, watching you drinking, and he looks up and it, your eyes just like lock into position. It's it's quite intimidating. It's quite humbling. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, that, that would have to go down as one of my favorite sightings. Um, I've, I've had, I've been extremely lucky. I've had quite a few leopard and, and lion sightings. Um, and yeah, but I mean, even, you know, certain birds, uh, are also special you know we, we have a green-backed heron that's coming down at the moment and you know I just like watching him and you learn so much from from just watching behavior you wouldn't normally see just if you saw him 30 meters away from your vehicle or 50 meters away you know down in a waterhole or in a riverbed sort of thing the opportunities from the hide are just amazing and and there's a there's a word we use in the hide it's uh, most of your our listeners will be familiar with it. it's called FOMO and the longer you sit in here the more difficult it is to get up and leave from your seat because you just 
just don't want to miss out on anything. Indeed, your FOMO is a pure thing when you're down there. Um, but like previously now you've mentioned mainly big five, like you said, the elephants, the lion, the leopard that you have been lucky enough to see there. And now this brings me to my next question that I know a lot of people worry about this aspect. And this is how do you ensure the safety of guests while staying at Antares or more specifically Ungedi Hyde? Um, and considering the proximity to the big and scaries like the elephants um, while in the hide and especially with the walk down to the hide. So, yeah, I mean, it is something that we need to be aware of and, and to be cognizant of. Uh, there is an electric fence that goes around the camp, um, which is working so long as we have electricity, uh, thanks to ESCOM. Um, but, yeah, the, the elephants, I, I've made a concerted effort over the last three years to, to get them used to people walking down from the camp to the height. And, and I do a, uh, an introduction to all my guests as soon as they arrive of how to approach the height, how to um, to deal with animals that are there at the time. Uh, and so long as you walk quietly and slowly down, the, the elephants in particular generally will ignore you. I always advise guests if they're too close to the fence or if they're on, on our side of the water, uh, then just to rather wait until the elephants have moved back a little bit before you move down. Um, walking down uh, at night obviously is has its own dangers. And I always say to people, you know, walk with a torch so you can see what's going on. And I also advise people if, if any of the cats are obviously already at the water hole, it's probably a good idea not to walk down. Apart from the fact that, you know, looking after your own safety, the chances are the animals would probably get up and run away anyway. So you would lose the, the sighting. Um, once you're in the hide, you can feel 100% safe. Um, you know, you can have an elephant, and, and I've had this frequently, literally standing two feet in front of where your camera is. Um, and because you're inside the building, you know, the worst that's probably going to happen to you is, is a trunk full of water and mud being thrown over you and your, your equipment. Um, with the predators, a, a lot of people possibly have concerns about the predators and the, and the the shutters being open and things. My experience so far has been most of the predators tend to drink on the far side of the water hole and they are a little bit wary of you uh, so they tend to keep your distance. I dare say if, if push came to shove and uh, you know they, they started to show a little bit more of an interest in you through through the hide that a few choice words and um, they're, they're pretty well understood in most languages including the animal kingdom. Okay I will admit when we had that pretty close encounter with that elephant very close to us and um, I was quite nervous I will admit that but you also gained this entirely new respect for the animal and that that was incredible in itself but now I want to move on to a different topic and that is the topic of the lodge so what activities and experiences do you provide for guests during their stay other than the hide of course like are there guided game drives bushwalks and any other adventures that guests may get to experience so yeah, I mean, we, we do operate as a normal lodge. Um, you know, the hide was something that we introduced because we wanted to be able to offer something that was unique and different to most other places. Um, but yeah, we offer one game drive per day or or walk if people would like rather through the bush. Uh, walks are restricted to to uh, people that are over 14 years old, uh, just from a safety point of view. Um, but we, we offer the one game, game drive a day. If people want more game drives, then we're quite happy to do that. But there's an additional charge for that. Um, um, one of the other things that we can also offer 
is that the, the traverse area that we have on the reserve extends quite some distance and we're able to access uh, the barrage on the Oliphants River. And particularly if guests are here for more than, say, four days or so, uh, they may want to spend one day taking a game drive all the way down to the boat and then doing a three-hour cruise along the river, uh, getting some nice bird watching in and, and hippos and crocs and various other animals that they can see there. And then we do a game drive back again, having had some lunch at the, the restaurant there. So those are other things that we can offer. Yeah, no, like you said, even though the hide is the main drawing point, point of the lodge, I mean, the game drives are still fantastic. I mean, we had a pretty impressive elephant sighting and especially because you've also got the traverse on the Olifant River and that is a very special place um, where you can stop for coffee breaks and all that kind of stuff. But th- as as we know, the, the hide is the main drawing point. And one thing I will say is that the hide the waterhole, unlike many other underground hides, I mean, there are a lot of other underground hides um, in the area. Well, not a lot, but there are a few. And so there is competition. But what I like about Mgede is that the waterhole isn't too too big. So it isn't too far out. So the elephant sightings, when they come, it's it's just incredible. Like that, that bull that walked right up to us. So, but from just from your opinion, what makes Mgede hide unique from other underground hides? Okay. Um, so the, the first point, really what makes it unique is the fact that you can access it from the camp. Um, so you don't need to be escorted down by by a guide or, or driven out to a hide and dropped off. So that, that makes it accessible 24 um, seven. It also means, you know, if you want to, if you get tired in the middle of the night, you need to go up to the bathroom, whatever, go up, uh, you, you can do that. What's nice about the hide is you don't have to go all the way back up to the camp to make yourself a cup of coffee. You can do that in the hide. So, you know, we've got a little fridge here, so you can have your cold beer or you can have your cup of coffee and stuff in the middle of the night as well. Um, I think also, you know, the, the fact that the, the water hole is well established, it's been here for, you know, 20 odd years. So the animals are used to it. Um, and as you say, it's not too big. So the far edge at the most is probably about 12 meters away from your cameras. So you're going to get good sightings no matter what, whether it's small blue wax bills and, uh, or it's big elephants, you know, weighing three or four tons. You just obviously need the different equipment that's required for that. But the I think, you know, the, the fact that the animals get used to it and the fact that you can get really underneath the elephant's feet. Uh, so it gives you a completely different perspective. I completely agree with that. And also we were speaking about it and we're like, it felt, it felt like a home in there. I could live in there, truly. <laughs> um, but it's so, it has that homey atmosphere. And also, like you said, with making yourself, making yourself a cup of coffee at night, you have all those homely aspects, if I can word it like that. But now again, I'm coming back to the lodge a bit now. So Ian, can you provide some more information about the dining experience at Ontario's? Um, I understand that the lodge is self-catering, but I believe there are a few options available apart from this. So can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, sure, Gabby, no problem. Uh, we do we do market predominantly as a self-catering lodge. The lodge can sleep up to a maximum of 10. I prefer to, to think of eight as a full camp, but um, only because that's more comfortable in the vehicle. But it, uh, it also, it's, you know, you have to have the right combination of people and, and uh, gender ratios, et cetera, to make full use for all 10 beds. So we, we do it as a self-catering basis and it's, it's always sold exclusively. So whether there's two people that want to have the 
camp for themselves or whether it's a full camp, uh, you can know that you're never having going to share it with anybody else. So that, that makes it really, really special. There are occasionally guests that say we would prefer to have a catered option, uh, which is fine. I can organize that for you. We bring in freelance chefs that can do that for you. And you can either bring your own food and they cook it for you, or they can go the whole hog and the chef will, will provide all the food and the meals and, and stuff. And so people can just contact us and we'll, we'll give them a quote as to what the catered options would be. We don't have a liquor license. So even with the catered option, uh, I still say to guests, they need to bring their own alcohol and drinks and stuff. Um, but we, we do provide teas and coffees uh, as part of part of the standard service. Yeah, no. So it is nice to know, you know, um, that you're not limited. But I think the, the self-catering as a norm is, was the right idea in the beginning because like being an exclusive use, no matter how many people, it's all about the hide, you know, and getting the best experience. So you're not limited by, oh, I have to have food at this time or whatever, but you can decide if you want to have that option, which is nice to know. But just back to the hide again, what would be the best time of year to visit Ontario's in terms of the wildlife sightings from the hide? So again, the answer to that depends on what you're wanting to get out of it. Obviously, during the summer, we have a lot more birds coming through because of the migrants. And we also have a lot of the young animals coming through as well. A lot of wildlife gives birth during the summer months when there's a lot of rain and stuff. But having said that, with all the extra rain that you expect in the summer, sometimes you'll find that the animals uh, move away and spread out in the bush quite a lot more. Uh, they're not forced to come to our waterhole. I think if if you really want to make use of the hide uh, and, and match maximize your chances of, of having you know really good sightings the dry dry winter months uh, and, and early summer before the rains really take off are probably the best and I think that would probably be run true for almost every wildlife hide uh, so you know come during the the drier months it also makes a difference from a photographic point of view with the backdrop you know at the moment uh, the dry winter months you, you've got a very yellowish background with the you know the, the dead grass and stuff but in the, in the summer months, when it's nice and green, it gives you a very different perspective of your photographs and stuff. So again, it's 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 a personal choice. Um, and yeah, it's it depends on what people want to get out of the hide. Yeah, I know. So it is it is really about what you want to get out of it. Um, but just going back, because I, I know you mentioned the, the birding in summer and that. And I recall you saying you had kept a bird list from the hide itself. Now, can you just like quickly tell us about the bird list and some maybe a few cool bird sightings that you've had from the hide? Yeah, so I've, I've kept a bird list for the whole reserve since I've, I moved here 23 years ago. And, and my numbers are now somewhere over 300. Um, from inside the hide itself or from the camp gardens, uh, I've got up to 128 so far. And I'm sure I'm going to add to that quite easily because I haven't been obsessed with it, but I've just been recording them as and when I, I remember to and, and what opportunities I get. And, and I think some of the... Uh, the best sightings I've had here, things like a pair of saddleable storks came down one day and we've had woolly net storks and we've had ground hornbills go past. Uh, we often see things like martial eagles, uh, various snake eagles and battleers flying up in the sky. They not, might not necessarily come down to the waterhole, but you know they've counted within that list. Other raptors that come down, we, we have little sparrowhawk was here this afternoon. Uh, Gabar goshawk comes down regularly. Um, we've had African hawk eagles coming in uh, and Particularly one youngster spent quite a bit of time towards the end of last year hunting guinea fowl and stuff around the waterhole. 
So, you know, there's there's an awful lot. And then we get the regulars. The, the place is just buzzing with golden-breasted buntings at the moment and three different species of Franklin's spurfowl uh, that we get in, on the reserve, uh, occasionally double-banded sandgrass. And, you know, there's a whole variety of other things. Uh, so this greenback heron that's been entertaining us for the last couple of weeks is, is great fun to watch. I actually... I want to do a, a little bit of a, um, a Facebook post on, on him because I've never known a bird with such a big appetite. He's, I think he's emptying my, my pond slowly of frogs and fish. Well, that sounds absolutely incredible. And I can actually hear the crested Franklin calling in the background. It really makes myself and Luca miss the bush. <laughs> um, but now, Ian, I'm sure we could chat for hours on end. But my final question, and I ask this question to all my guests, as no one will ever share the same answer, but if you could give me any advice personally as an avid nature lover, be it about photography, planning a trip, or even simply leaving me with food for thought, what would it be? So, you know, I've, I've thought about this question a bit since you sent it through to me. And, you know, particularly with um, the hide in mind, what I would say is when you come, don't come with the expectation that you're going to see something every single minute of the day and, and be constantly entertained. The, the thing about hide photography is that the animals have to come to you. You can't go and find them. Um, but be prepared for when it does happen to be overwhelmed. Um, try not to panic too much because you don't know what photos to take and stuff like that. The advice I've been given by other people is try and have an idea in your head what sort of photographs you want to have, and then you can focus on that because otherwise you're going to end up um, trying to take too many different photographs and you're going to end up with nothing. But I think the um, it's it's a motto of mine is you know sort of um, have low expectations and you'll be rewarded with great great rewards at the end because you, you're not expecting to to have everything. And I think that's you know the the be all and end all of hide photography is. You know, when it does when it does happen, it really does happen and stuff. But you know, you can have quite a few hours in between whilst you're waiting for it. Yeah, I know. I mean, we all know the bush is very unpredictable, so it can get be quiet at times, and other times it can be quite busy. But yeah, that's thank you for that advice. It's it's really great. I mean, especially they have a plan. That's very important because I mean, even when it's quiet, you still need to be thinking about okay, if this happens, then you know I've got these settings and I'll do that because it can get crazy. I mean, when when a whole herd of elephants, I mean, next first year it's quiet, and then next thing this whole herd of elephants shows up, and you don't know what to do. I mean, you got like three lenses and you shuffling around and oh. I want to take this photo and this photo so yeah i mean having a plan is it will always help yeah, and I, th I think the other thing Luca, that, sorry just uh, just to add in there be prepared to not just think of big animals as well and i think you guys did this when you were here there's there's a lot of insect life and there's a lot of activity happening which a lot of people tend to ignore and those can fill in those um quiet spaces and they that from a photographic point of view, they are equally challenging. Um, and so, you know, it, it is what you make it at the end of the day, but uh, be prepared to, to challenge yourself with something different and beyond your comfort zone. Yeah, no, I know. I think it's important that guests that stay at the high don't just expect lions and all those big animals to come. I mean, we were entertained by a lot of birds. Um, golden, uh, those golden-breasted buntings, like you say, I managed to get quite an impressive reflection shot. And the the insects, like you were saying, there's the um, the water lilies that also add another aspect to the the hide, which is really nice. And Gabby also managed to get a very nice um, image of the uh, of an insect on the water lilies. So I mean, yeah, thanks, Ian. It's it's been really great having a chat. 
chat to you. And I really enjoyed learning more about um, the wonderful place that you call home. And we really hope that Ngueri Hyde continues to produce some more incredible sightings for both you and all the guests that visit the Hyde. And who knows, hopefully we can visit again sometime. No, it'd be really special. As I say, we really enjoyed having you here and we're really hoping you do come and visit us again. And, and, you know, there's always that leopard that you didn't get or the lions or whatever. There's always something more that you, you've got to come back for. I agree 100%. I have to get that leopard drinking eye level. I have to. Um, but one last thing from my side. Thank you, um, and the Birding Life too, for affording both Luca and myself the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, I for one can say that I will hold on to those special moments in my memory bank forever. Oh, it was really special. Thanks, Wangami. Thanks, Luca. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to recording our next joint podcast really soon. Until next time, this is Gabby Sykora and Luca Tomlinson for the Birding Life Youth Podcast, signing out.